you may want to do it anymore. Okay, so chapter 12, 13, 14 is going to start the final section of Romans and we'll be almost done. And what Paul's going to do in these, I may, since we're not actually in 15 yet, we may stop at 15 because 16 is like final greetings and all that kind of thing. So we'll see when we get there. But uh, chapter 12 starts, uh, okay, now I have given you all the theology that I need to share with you. I've told you about sin. I've told you about righteousness. told you about the gospel. I've told you about how you are the people of God. Those who are in Christ are, are the people of God now and, and God's blessed you and given you the promises and giving you the uh you know giving you the 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 glory of being in relationship with him and chapter 12 13 14 15 are going to talk about okay now how do we how do we live what are we supposed to do with it and basically uh, i took maybe four things away from this and if you read that outline you probably i'm not going to get too far from that because that's basically really all i got the first thing that he says to us is that now that now that you know that Christ has died for you, and now that you know that you are that you are His, I, see, I wasn't even going to say nothing. Now that you know that you are His people, remember last chapter we talked about how Israel is those people who trust in Christ. You know, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, and so he says, now that you know this, he says, you are to live. As if you yourself are a sacrifice on the altar. Your body is a sacrifice on the altar. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. What are the mercies of God he's talking about, you think? Besides everything I just said. He's talking about everything I just said. He's talking about the fact that you were dead in your sin and that Christ saved you and now God has made you part of the, his his family you're sons of God because of Christ because of those mercies because it's an already done deal he said i want you to do what present your your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service now if he's talking remember the last three chapters we talked about it was everything was Jew and Gentile, Jew and Gentile. It was the people of God, Israel, and it was all those things. And if you were in Israel, you were the family of Israel, you would bring sacrifices to God. But what kind of sacrifices would you bring? Well, but what are they? Yeah, like goats and bulls and lambs and pigeons and, and those kind of things. And what would you do with those sacrifices? How would you offer them to God? Yeah, you'd kill them. You'd kill them, you'd let them bleed, you would do different, different things for different animals. But the common thread in all the sacrifices to God was that they were dead. Yeah, blood. The blood represented that the life of that animal was totally dedicated to God. It was given to God. And like, we could go, we could talk about that if you wanted to. In the book of Leviticus, the, the fact that, you know, they put blood on stuff like the altar and then they put blood on your earlobe and your toe. And if you ever read Leviticus, they, where they put the blood, it was symbolized, the blood symbolizes the life of the animal. 
and that, hey, come on in, come on in, guys. Uh, the blood symbolizes the life of the animal and that if you put it in, put it wherever they put it on the altar, it symbolizes the dedication, dedication to God. So here he's saying, he's saying that instead of offering those dead animals, instead of offering those, those dead sacrifices, you're going to offer your body. Now, are you going to put your body out on an altar and drain your blood out to... Yeah, that, thank you for saying no. Y'all were really worrying me there. No, it says in, in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I want you to offer your body as what? A living sacrifice. And it's holy and acceptable to God. Why is it holy and acceptable to God? Yeah, see, that's right. Because Jesus has already done the work. You are not holy in yourself. Remember what Paul, all the things Paul has said so far in Romans. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 say pretty much you are bad. You are evil to the core. I'm evil to the core. Everybody's evil to the core. Chapters 4, 5 tell us that the only righteousness that we have before God is in Jesus Christ. He paid the debt that we owe and he paid it completely so when the father looks at us he sees the perfection of what christ did and because of that when the father looks at me like when i stand on judgment day or and stand before god's throne and and he's you know and i get judged for what i did or didn't do instead of seeing me and my actions because they're they're sinful and they're not holy they're not perfect he's going to see christ and his blood so therefore because of all that's going on, he says that what you are to do now is to offer yourself as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Back in the Old Testament, the only sacrifice you could bring was one that was without blemish, without spot, perfect. So can you, can you offer your body as a living sacrifice to God without Christ purifying it first? No, it's unacceptable. But since Christ has purified your body, then you are an acceptable sacrifice to God. It kind of hit me that <clears throat> he's talking about your body. Like sometimes, you know, what you, what you eat, the things you do, the things you think about, the places you go, the, the things you engage in, the... You know, sometimes it feel sometimes it's easy to say, well, you know, Christ has paid for everything, so it's all good, and I don't, you know, I, it doesn't matter if I watch this on TV or it doesn't matter if I do this, you know. But the reality is that here he's saying you are to present your body as a living sacrifice. We're not talking about just your mind or just your soul or just your spirit or your heart. A lot of people say God knows my heart, you know, or something like that. He's saying you are to present your body as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable. Okay? So the next verse tells us how we do that to, uh, to present your body. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I always, when I read this verse, I think about, I guess I should have brought, I have like a, when I talk to the youth and when I teach them about being conformed to the world, I have a pitcher of water and then I have different shapes of pitchers of water. And when you pour water into a pitcher, the water takes the shape of the pitcher. You know what I mean? Like if it's, you 
I mean, y'all got that. And if you pour it into like a glass vial or, a, you know, you got different shapes or whatever, you pour the water into the deal, it's going to take the shape of whatever the deal is. And that's what the world is wanting to do for us. Sometimes we have a tendency because we live in the world and we work around people, we have people in our family, we interact with people in, in the world, and, and it's easy for us to kind of monkey see monkey do it's easy for us to you ever notice that when you hang around somebody and they say something all the time like uh like uh i mean anything then you start saying it after a while like uh i can remember uh huh oh my or bill bill meyer would say my word my word you know he'll say my word Ain't that something? Yeah. And the deal. The deal. Don't forget the deal. Yeah. And you just you just start and you do it unkind. You just it's just it's Aww. just the way it happens. <coughs> wah, wah, wah. <coughs> if we were in youth class, they would give you a hand, Curtis. <coughs> uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. I remember uh, there was an old dude that he, he would say, he would say, he was hanging around with Brother Eddie a lot. And he would say, you hear me? And now Brother, Brother Eddie all the time said, you, you hear me? You know what I'm, I'm telling you, this guy, you hear me? You know, he, all the time. And, and we do it too. You know, we do it too. And so, well, that was good. You just moved everybody out of that section. Y'all evacuated <laughs> That won't be distracting at all. <laughs> no, you go ahead. It's all right. Hey, Stevie. Hey, Tammy. So, what was we talking about? Jesus. <laughs> I know. Uh, being conformed to this world... If I took a, uh, take water and I pour it into different kinds of pitchers and all that kind of stuff, the water takes the shape of the pitcher. And we live in the sinful world. We live in, in the, the, the world that values different things than we value. They think things are good that we know are not good. They think things are right that we know are not right. And so it's, it's telling us that we are not to take the shape of the things that we're around all the time. I'll take that water and I'll pour it into these pitchers and it'll, it'll take the shape of the pitchers and then I'll take a bunch of ice and put it in the pitcher. And what will ice do? The ice won't take the shape. The ice is just going to be the ice. See what I mean? It won't take the shape of the pitcher. It's not going to... It's not going to flow. It's gonna, not going to mold itself to what it's in. It's just going to be it's ice all the time. If you put it in this picture, it's going to be ice. If you put it in that picture, it's going to be ice. So what it's saying is, it's saying, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is your mind renewed? That's a good answer, Houston. They always know that Jesus is going to be the right answer no matter what the question is. So if I say, how are you doing today? He'll say, Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, the renewing of your mind. Hey, Crystal, you going to sit on the front row? She said front row. Cool. <laughs> By the renewing of your mind. Okay, so the first thing, I usually have a bunch of stuff wrote on the board, but I could not write that whole chapter. You are a sacrifice. Your body. Present your body a sacrifice holy pleasing to God and you do that by not being conformed to the world 
but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, when I say present your bodies a living sacrifice, do I mean, okay, you need to start following rule one, rule two, rule three, rule four. This is rule one, don't do this. This is rule two, you need to always do this. This is rule three. Is that what I'm talking about when I say present your bodies a living sacrifice? No. You can't be a Christian just by following rules. You can't please God just by following rules. You can't say, well, I've done really good today, and so therefore I'm a good Christian. No. Christianity is something that starts within you. It's something that's an internal change when God changes your heart. So it says that you are, don't don't be conformed to the world. Where am I at? Where am I at? Two, yeah. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's, it's an internal, it starts as an internal thing and it, and it expresses itself as an external thing. So, I don't, let's say, I'm careful, I'm making sure I'm going to say something that I really don't do. Um, I don't work for my salvation but I do work because I have salvation. I know y'all have heard that before. But I don't... Let me just give you an example from my own, from my own death. <clears throat> I studied the Bible a long time before I was saved. I mean, I was just like everybody else. I was a religious... You know, at first I was... First I was crazy, drug-addicted musician, whatever. And then, then you know, realized that was just stupid. And uh, so I said, well, this Jesus thing is going to be the way. So I go and I study my Bible. Every day I used to work at a body shop and I would go, you've heard the story. And I read my Bible and studied years and years, two or three years ago by, still lost. But looking for the answers in the Scripture, studying Scripture and all that kind of stuff, I still, in the, the times I would go to church, I would go sit on the front row, I would be, if you looked at me, you would have said, wow. That is a good Christian young man right there. I mean, there's no doubt. But still, you know, I still had... What? Well, funny enough, that was... That's true. Because I had a really... I mean, you know how smart Alec I am now. Imagine that, like, times 20. I mean, I was like... And plus, vulgar and just... I mean, really, really bad. Am I, am I lying, Dana? There were many times as a religious man, huh? What? Smart but wise. Smart but wise. Oh, did you get that picture I sent you? You mean? Yeah, we need to show everybody that picture. <laughs> anyway. Oh, no, it wasn't that one. I need to show you that one. No. It was Barbie at 50. It was pretty funny. Uh, what was I saying? See, y'all keep getting me off track. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and so there were times when that kind of blew up in my face, right? And I'm a religious guy. I'm, a, you know, I'm trying to do right. I'm blah, 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 blah. And so I would say, okay, I got to I gotta stop. I got to stop doing that. I got to start being better. I got to start trying to do, I got to start doing what I know I'm supposed to do. And I, I need to start living like, you know, this, the Bible says to live. And I need to start following the rules. And, you know what I mean? I need to just do the Ten Commandments. And, and I, I, I could do it for a while. I mean, I, I, could, I could 
I mean, I could do, I could fake anything pretty much. And so I would do that. And it, you know, it would just, it never would, but I was doing it from the outside. You see what I mean? I was, I was doing it because I know that that's what I'm supposed to do. And it's my duty to do that. And I know, but inside I was like, man, it sure would be funny if I did this, or it sure would be cool if I, you know, uh, I, I would like to do this or I would like to do that. But you know, Hey, I know I can't, I'm a Christian, so I can't do that kind of stuff, but I really would want to, you know what I mean? Those kind of things. And then I was saved in 2003. And so the very next day, the very next day, and y'all have probably heard the story, but I was, I was turning wrenches on a, on a, on a truck and I, I busted one of my knuckles and I said something out of my mouth that no Christian should ever say. And at that moment, the day after I was saved, when, I, when that come out of my mouth, it hurt my heart in a way that it never had before. It was like, you know what you just did, you know. God say, it wasn't like, oh, you're, you're a Christian, you're supposed to be following the rules and it's your duty and wow, you messed. Wasn't that at all. It was like, man, after God did that for you, look at what you're, look at what you're doing. And for, it was like, for the first time, it was like, it just hurt, you know what I mean? Like, I'm really sorry. You know, I, I, I'm not going to do that again. You know, it was one of those things. I have something to say. Okay. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but I can say this for me. Growing up in churches, this has been the only church where that has been preached. All the other churches that I've seen in my whole life, and I know Curtis did too, it was you follow A, B, C, and D, and you're a Christian. And these were not bad churches. Right. I mean, these were good churches. Oh, yeah. But if you do, because God expects you to do A, B, C, and D, you are saved. If you don't follow A, B, C, and D, then there's no way you could be. Right. And, you know, and what I found, because we started attending here in August of 2011, you know, one thing that we found very, very early on in coming here, it's a, B, C, and D is going out the window. It's just Christ. Right. It's just, and, and I mean, once, once that, it took a long time for that to sink through. Yeah. Because, I mean, for 30 years, it was a, I was brainwashed, and I have to do this, 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 and that. But, you know, there, you always hear that there's freedom in Christ. And once, you know, after hearing Eddie preach for a couple of years, that's what it took for me after hearing, you know, and then the Lord called my name. Yeah. You know, after after that, there, there is an absolute freedom in knowing that He does guide your path. He does right your way. Yeah, and what, I think what she's saying is that the same thing that I'm trying to tell you with having your mind renewed um, if you focus on, oh, I got to sacrifice my body, let me do A, B, and C, um, you're kind of focusing on the wrong thing. It's having your mind renewed by being in relationship with God. That means communication with Him in prayer and reading your Bible and learning more about those things. And then you, then you will do A, B, and C. Right. Because they're like, you know, just like Romans has said that the whole book, there's no way you can. Yeah, you there's can't. Just absolutely no way you can. 
Yeah, you can't earn you can't earn anything before God. So what it's saying is you present your body as a living sacrifice, which means that you don't do the things you're not supposed to do, and you do do I said this do do you do do the things that you are supposed to do, but you don't do it out of duty. Oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to I have to be on my best behavior. That was funny, wasn't it, Brian? Come on now, that was funny. Uh, you do it because your heart and your mind are being renewed, and I desire to do those things. I can remember conversations. I'm never going to get through this chapter if I don't hurry up. But I can remember conversations like with Dana's family, her, you know, between her and her family, and they they would ask like, you know, you want to come to like the New Year's Eve party, and you know, you know what's fitting to be, you know, you know the deal at the New Year's Eve party. It's like. You just don't want to go. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, oh, I wish I could go, but I'm a Christian and I can't. Oh, man. It, no, it's like I'm changed inside and I, I just don't want that anymore. I don't, I don't want to do I don't, I don't have a desire to do those things anymore, right? Does that mean I'm a perfect person now? No. Are you kidding? No. You're going to sin. You're going to mess up. That's how God's going to grow you. So we're not talking about perfection. We're just talking about Now my heart and mind are being transformed. They're being renewed. They're being, they're being, um, renewed is a good word. They're being renewed to love Christ more, to love God more, to be in relationship with Him. And the effect of that is, uh, I'll start walking more. I used to put an equation on the board for my youth. I would say, man, what's up with that? Some jacked up chalk. I would say faith. Actually, it'd be grace and faith equals salvation. Can y'all read that? And salvation equals works. Okay, that's the deal. Faith, faith equals when you trust in Christ, you are saved. But when you are saved, you will work. Okay. So it's not like I'm saying, hey, we're saved by grace, therefore, hey, let's all party and do whatever we want to do, and let's go sin as much as we want, and it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that at all. Because if you do live like that, then that is a big red flag, something's wrong with your heart. It's not saying, well, because you did X, Y, and Z, therefore, you're not a Christian because Christians don't do X, Y, and Z. Well, yeah, a Christian might do X, Y, and Z. But what does your heart say when you do those things? The, the Christian's heart has been changed to hate their sin. It's simple as that. Does that mean they don't sin? No. You still live in the flesh. But like me turning that wrench, I said the thing, and it, I hated it. It hurt. And it was, it's not, it's not, let's put it this way. If you put your hand on a hot stove and it burns you, how hard would it be for me to convince you not to put your hand on the hot stove again? Right. Now, that's what sin does. Like, if, you're, if you sin and it hurts you, it's not going to be a big task to say, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? But if you, if you sin and you love it and it's just the awesomest thing in the world, then it's going to be like, oh, I want to do that. You know what I mean? But our heart has been changed where it hurts us. We're, our mind has been renewed. Our, we've been transformed into a new creature. Y'all got that? I spent way too much time right there. 
Okay? Second thing is that verses 3 through 5 in Romans chapter 12, we are part of a body. It says, verses 3 says, For I say, is that right? For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For, because, as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office or function, so, in the same way, we being many, many people in the church, are one body in Christ, and every one members of one another. Okay? So what it's saying is, when you think you are part of the body of Christ, so you live as part of the body of Christ. How It's easy to think where it says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. What comes to your mind? Like, give me an example of somebody who thinks more highly of their self than they ought. If you say me, I'm going to punch in your face. No, I'm talking about people that are actually in the body of Christ. Just not somebody personally, but what would somebody look like who thinks too highly? Who said that? You say that? What? Who said wouldn't serve? That's exactly the answer I was looking for, Dean. But they would be egotistical and they would be, would you say prideful? They would be, they would be all those things. They'd walk around like I'm the man and it's all good. Y'all need to be like me because I'm awesome, you know. But the people that think of themselves too more highly than they ought are the people that don't serve in the body. They don't act like if they're a hand, like picture, picture it as a body now. If, if my hand suddenly says, you know what? If I say, grab the coffee cup, my hand says, ah, I don't feel like grabbing the coffee cup. You know, the hand is like, well, wait a minute. Who, I, I'm in charge of the body here. I'm in charge. So I say, grab the coffee cup. And the hand says, ah, I'm tired. I've been busy. I mean, you know, we've been writing all day long. You know, we've been working all day long. And you've got all kinds of people in the body that say, eh, that's not my job. I'm tired. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do those things. What is the job of somebody in the body of Christ? To serve the Lord more specific. More specific than that. Those two are absolutely correct. To spread His word. What else? To do what he says, that's pretty more specific than that. You are to you are to evangelize the lost and build up the church. Those two things. Those two things. That's all. That's all. And you know, those two things go along with glorifying God, praising God, assembling with the believer. You know, I can fit those two things in in all those things. You are you are to spread the gospel of Christ, and you are to edify the church. And God has given you gifts to do those things. You are part of one another. So it always bugs me when I hear people, well, especially when when you think, and, and I was this way for a long time, when you think that because I walk through those doors and I sit in those cushy green chairs... And I listen to the music, even if I 
stand up and raise my hands or whatever, and then I listen to the sermon, and then I walk out the door, I have done my service. I have, I have given God what He desires. Um, that, is, that is not what being part of the body is. That means that, and we'll see it here in a minute when we talk about you're also part of a family, is it means that you are to minister to each other. Like you're supposed to walk into this place, and you're supposed to do it at your job, you're supposed to do it everywhere, but especially here, the, the household of faith, you're supposed to walk into this place and be looking for ways to minister to somebody. Somebody's hurting, what do you do? You pray for them and you encourage them and you whatever. Somebody's, you know, some, somebody needs this, somebody needs that. You are here to be a minister for God. You are here to build up the church. You are here to edify Him. You're here to let people see the fact that you are worshiping God. You're here to let your light shine just like you let it shine out in the world. You are here to be instructed and learn from the preaching of the Word and all those things. But you are members of one another. That means that what happens to Dana over here will affect Sonia. You understand? You are part of one another. And if you... When we say church, most of the time you're thinking about this worldwide, all the people who are in Christ. And, and there are places where it talks about it, and of course that is the church. But most of the places that the word church is used, and especially in the epistles, it's talking about the local body of believers. When Paul's writing to the church at Rome, he's talking to the church about the church at Rome. When he's writing to the church at Galatia, he's talking to the church about Galatia. There are principles that apply to all of us, of course. But, for instance, in 1 Timothy 3.15, you can look it up when you get home. Paul's talking to Timothy and he's saying, look, I'm going to come see you soon. He said, but until I get there, I'm telling you how you are to behave yourself in the house of God. And he's talking about where Timothy's at. He says, because the church, the house of God is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. And he's talking about the local fellowship that Timothy is at right there in Ephesus. He said, because I'm coming to you soon. So that is, that is proof positive, 1 Timothy 3.15, that the church is the local body of believers. This is the church. The building down the road, that's the church. That's the church. In Revelation, you know, when he addresses, he addresses individual churches. Right. Seven of them, right? That's right. If I don't hurry up, I ain't going to get done. Oh, no, we got to go. And you are part of a family. All these things, 9 through 13, Romans chapter 12, these are things that family do to eat for each other. It says, let love be without dissimulation. Any of y'all had to look up dissimulation? What does it mean? Yeah, without, let it be genuine. No hypocrisy. Brenda, you the only one look that up? You go, girl. Let love be without dissimulation, without hypocrisy. He that gives, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Oh. Where are you reading? Really? You didn't skip around. I done skipped around. <laughs> Sorry. I'm looking at this thing and I just went to the wrong place. Nine. How did I get to nine? You were at nine. You said nine. You 
I'm sorry. Where am I supposed to be? Oh yeah, duh. Okay, we're still talking about the body. Okay, having then, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, and it's going to tell us we are to use these gifts in the body. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith, and it's going to list a bunch more. But what I, what I need you to know for sure right now is that prophecy is not telling the future as much as it is telling the Word of God, okay? So whenever you meet somebody who says, I'm going to prophesy over you, you know, in, in three weeks your red-headed cousin is going to come visit you and bring you $100, you know, that's not prophecy, okay? 99.9% of the time in the Old Testament, the prophets were not foretelling the future, they were proclaiming the Word of God. They would say, thus saith the Lord. The, the, the Word of the Lord came to Isaiah and he said... This is what God says. Or the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and Jeremiah told him, this is what God says. So the prophecy is proclaiming the word of the Lord. When, when we walk out in there, when we walk out in there into service, and Brother Eddie gets behind the pulpit and he opens God's word and he starts reading God's word and expounding on God's word, that is what it's talking about. It's not foretelling, it's forth. Telling. It's telling God's word. Okay? So if his gift is prophecy, then let him prophesy. Or ministry, what is ministry? Just service. It's like any kind of serving one another. If it's ministry, let us wait on our ministry. That don't mean like hold up. It means like wait on somebody. You know what I mean? Like serve them. Serve them. Yeah. It's like if my gift is ministry, God told me just hold up till I tell you. You know? <laughs> that was a joke. That was funny too. What's wrong with y'all? Man, that was good. Uh, or he that exhorts, building each other up. He that gives, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. Uh, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, those are gifts that we are to use in the body. Did you remember where we started? He said, we being many, verse 5, are one body in Christ. You have a gift to, and this is not all the gifts. There are lots of gifts. You have a gift to use. In the body of Christ. What's the body of Christ for you? Yeah, it's this church. If you go, if you remember the church down the road, it's that church. It's wherever you fellowship at, wherever you meet, wherever you assemble, that is where you are to serve. That is where you are to minister. That is where you are to use your gift. Walking in the door and sitting on the pew and listening to the service is not serving in the body of Christ. Okay? Does that mean I have to teach a class? No. Does it mean that I have to mop the floor or something? No. Does it mean... You, you can do any number of things. See somebody hurt and then they pray for them. Whatever your gift is, you know, whatever your thing is, you can tell, like, mine is probably not going to be fasting. But, you know, it's like, whatever your gift is, that's what you, that's what you do. Is it, you know, we, we, we tend to think that the only way to serve is to do it in the big flashy way. You know, I want to play the drums, you know what I mean? Or I want to sing a song, or I want to, I want to, you know, whatever. There's millions and millions and millions of ways that you serve the body of Christ. Whatever gift that you have, you use it for the glory of God. You know, whatever it is that you do, you do it unto the glory of God. And whatever, you know, like, like Crystal likes to paint and make stuff. 
You know, you're on the front row. I can pick on you if I want to. You know, that, use that to the glory of God. Use it for, you know, use it. Whatever that you do, you, you do for Him. But you're supposed to be part of a body. What happens if my hand is not working? That's right. I ain't going to say nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> my hand ain't working. It's no good. It's no good to the body. Not only is it no good to the body, but it actually hinders the body's progress. It hinders you. You see what I'm saying? Like, let me write it on the board. You know, if I can't, if I can't use it, it uh, it's no good. It's messing me up. You know what I mean? That's probably not a good example. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Next. Man, I got to hurry. Fam- you're part of a family. Now, now it's nine. Love each other without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly. Uh, that's you love as a family. Verse 10, you be devoted to each other as a family. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. It's talking about being devoted to one another. Uh, Verse 11, you be diligent, not slothful in business. That doesn't mean like, you know, don't be lazy at your job. It means you be zealous for the things that you're supposed to be doing. You know, it's talking about service. It's talking about loving God, loving each other, working in the body. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's what it's talking about. Verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. You rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation. The way that it's constructed in in the original language, I mean, I give you the Greek lesson if you want it, but the way that it's constructed, it's talking about rejoicing together in hope. Rejoicing, being patient together in tribulation. So when Jimmy's when Jimmy's rejoicing in hope, I rejoice with him because he's part of my family. He's part of part of the body of the Christ. You know, if if Jimmy's going through tribulation, then I, I I'm not just patient, but I endure tribulation with him. That patient means endurance. Remember we talked to that before. So the things that the things that go on, if I mean, it's like you're part of your family. If something happens to my, if something happens to one of your children, or somebody in your family, what do you do? Whatever's going on with them, it's going on with you too. You know, if they're sick, then you feel bad for them and you hurt for them. If they're going through a tribulation, then you hurt with them. If they do, <clears throat> if they do something wonderful, get the honor roll or win the award or do whatever, then you rejoice with them. It's like being part of a family. Whatever goes on with them is going on with me. Is that the way that you are with church folks? Is that the way with you are with, with the people that you are, are close to around here? That's what it says that we are. It's part of a family. Verse 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Giving to the necessity of the saints. How many of y'all tithe? Don't raise your hand. That's not, I didn't mean for you to raise it. Just tithe. Giving to the necessity of saints. You would be surprised. And I, I don't know who does and who doesn't now. So I, I, don't, I don't even look at it. So if you don't, don't feel bad. I ain't talking about you. Uh, I don't know who does and who doesn't. But... You would be surprised how many people, not just in this church, but in every church, they think that I deserve, I deserve the church to pay for my whatever, whether it be my event when we go out and do something or my, you know, whatever, and they never give a red cent. So when people call, I have, I love this, I got to tell this story, I probably ain't got time. 
Oh, I know I ain't got time. I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, somebody called the office and they were like, I said, hello, Christ Church. She said, yeah, uh, I heard you be paying people light bill. I said, click. No, I read it. But when people say, I think the church should pay, I think the church should pay this for me. What I always tell them is, well, I'll tell you what, Sunday, I'll give you a microphone. You get up there and ask. You know, like, ah, never mind. Never mind. Because we tend to think of what I'm trying to get you to see is the church is not this nameless, faceless organization like the government. You know what I mean? Like, you got, like, I'm here, like, you guys are here, and, and we, we're going to church. We're going to this faceless organization that's the church. And it's, it, no, the church is all you people. I mean, if you weren't here, there would be no church. You see what I mean? Like, it's not like the church, we have the church up here, and it's running the service and running the deal and running, and, and we just come and we sit up under the church. No, you are the church. You, the, you people are the church. <clears throat> so when, uh, so excuse me, so when, when, something, when something goes on and somebody's like, you know, they, they, don't, they don't participate in nothing around here. Matter of fact, they've probably been talking all kind of stuff about how awful we are and, and you know, we drinking snake poison and blah, 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 dumb stuff like that or whatever. And then all of a sudden they come out of here and say, I think y'all need to help me out. You know, what I, what I want to tell them is you got to stand up in front of all these people and ask them because this is not some kind of invisible corporation that's run. This is, this is all you guys. You guys are the body. You guys are part of the family. So what it says is, it says you are distributing to the necessity of the saints. Now those people that are invested here, man, not just financially, but with their lives, with their families, with their, you know, with those things, they, they have benefits. They have the benefits of uh, belonging to the family of the church. I remember being at there's this church way out there and it was a uh, but anyway <coughs> but they said the guy, when they joined, the guys came down to join the church and he says are you going to tithe and he said he said yes sir he said as long as you tithe you can use this building for your weddings you can do it you know and he he went through this list of stuff and then all of a sudden he said but if you don't tithe you don't get none of that i mean that's how they run the deal it, it was pretty funny I mean, y'all are looking at me like it ain't funny, but it was funny at the time. Okay, last thing. You're a soldier in an army. So you are a sacrifice on the altar. You are a part of a body. You are part of a family. And you are a soldier in an army. Now that we know who we are in Christ. Verses 14 through the end of the chapter says, You bless them. Now you're talking about things coming against you. You bless them which persecute you. You bless and curse not. Now how easy is that? Bless them that persecute you. It's pretty easy for us because you ain't none of us getting persecuted. Yeah, when I get to it, I had to I had to look at it. Bless them that persecute you. Like right now, what was I saying? We don't really experience persecution. Yeah, like. Not Somebody says, you're a Christian, you're stupid. And that's like, it's a far cry from getting your head cut off over right. in Iraq. You know what I mean? 
So, but it says, bless them that persecute you, rejoice with them that do rejoice, weep with them, weep. Be of the same mind toward one another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate, be not wise in your own conceits. What don't you understand? What does that mean, mind not high things, but condescend to men? Uh, don't be, it says, don't be, uh, Don't be just hanging with the with the, with the rich folks or the people that can give you something. You know what I mean? You you are you are part of the body. Don't be yeah. Don't be trying to climb the social scale. Your goodness and your love and all those things they should be given to the lowliest people as well as you know whoever's on the deal. And I can tell you all some stories. I need to just read and quit telling stories. Recompense to no man evil for evil. He's talking about being a soldier in the army because we don't give evil for evil. We don't, we don't, we bless them that persecute us. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, say the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, you feed him. If he thirsts, you give him a drink, for in doing so you shall heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome evil, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You're a soldier in an army, and what are your weapons? It's goodness, it's the word, it's doing right, it's doing what you're supposed to do. You, when somebody's ticked off at you and you love them, that ticks them off even more. Uh, I don't have time to finish. Okay, everybody understand? So you are four things according to this chapter. We'll do chapter 13 next week. Give yourself as a sacrifice, a living, give your body as a living sacrifice on the altar. You live as though you are part of a body. You live as though you are part of a family and you live as though you are a soldier in an army. Do I do those things so God will be pleased with me and love me? No. You do those things because He has given you His favor and His love and His grace in Jesus Christ. So you're not earning anything. You're not earn- It's already done for you. But when your heart is changed, you'll desire to do those things. Okay? Let's pray. Yes, we're going to meet Friday night. I'll text you and tell you what we're going to eat. Father, we love you, God, and we thank you for what you've done for us in Christ. Lord, we thank you that uh, we have all things in you and that you